meet with two new people, three new people, four new people a week, as many people as you possibly can. Um, people I have found that, uh, people absolutely love to support business owners and, um, it's still one of the reasons why I think America is such an amazing and great country is because entrepreneurship is such a foundation for what was this was this whole country was built on. And so, to me, um, I, I have seen so many times somebody who just wanted to support me as a young entrepreneur trying to build something. And I would encourage anybody who wants to start a business or even not even just take their career to the next level, meet new people constantly. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that has grown several businesses to seven and eight figure companies, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we focus on helping startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And today we have another great guest on the podcast, and it's Matt Baxter. And give you a little bit of an introduction to Matt. So Matt, in his own words, was kind of the, the chubby neighborhood kid at 15 years old that he figured out that he could make more money mowing lawns than he could working minimum wage. So he, from that, decided he would start a lawn care business. And uh, once he did that, he was having a lot of fun. Did that for, you know, he got all the way up to, you know, Wendy's accounts and grew it and uh, had other people, hired some people on, doing it throughout college. And then uh, decided, met someone over beers one night, decided to sell it off. And then from there, um, he moved over to um, doing a little bit more on working on people's resumes, wanted to get people better candidates, better insight earlier on, on both, on both sides of the aisle of employers as well as uh, employees of uh, wanting to help the interview process, get more insight. And so he started his company that he's doing now, and I'll let him talk a little bit more about that. But that gives you a brief introduction. So with that, welcome to the podcast, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. So I gave kind of the, the brief overview or a little bit of an introduction, but maybe walk us through a bit more of your journey and uh, let's go from there. Yeah, well, you covered a good basis of it. Uh, the, the journey started with a lawn care company. I was, as you alluded to, started push mowing lawns and that business grew like crazy and had the fortunate opportunity to hire somebody pretty early on. So I was a senior in high school, actually hired my first full-time employee, which is a really fun experience. And I grew up in just outside of Ann Arbor in a little town called Celine. And so when I went to college, I went to Hope College, which is on the other side of the state. So I had to have somebody help manage uh, the business while I was gone. And each summer I was going back and forth during the you know fall and springtime while I was at school. And then summer times I was full-time, you know, back in my hometown and we just kept hiring people. And I mean, it was just a really, really fun company and uh, really, really enjoyed just growing that. And uh, I actually ended up doing like a bunch of lawn care uh, for a funeral home director. So it was a weird thing that every time somebody in the community died, I had job security, which was just like this odd thing that you never really think about at a young age. But um, so that, yeah, that a uh, couple years later, I, I, as you mentioned, I had somebody who was a local company that they did a lot of big accounts. And they approached me and reached out about potentially the uh, opportunity to sell and uh, had a chance to you know, transition out of that business, which is what led me into the next company I'm starting. But I'll, I'll pause there and let you. Yeah, because I have a couple of questions. So I mean, you're yeah. in high school and how many employees did you have during high school? Just the one or did you grow it any further than that? So I had one full-time and then every, every summer I was always hiring some buddies, like just helping out on the side, but one, one like full-time dedicated employee. And then probably, I think throughout the course of it, I hired 25 or 30 different friends or, you know, people that I knew throughout it. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, 
So with that, you know, as a high schooler, you know, most people in high school are thinking about dating or about sports or about, you know, band or whatever the hobby is. And they're not necessarily thinking, how do I run a business or how do I do that? So how did you make that mental leap, so to speak? Or, you know, was it kind of, hey, I, I, I was excited and it was fun to do it as a high schooler. And it was, you know, it is a way to raise or make a lot of money. Or is it, hey, I, I don't know what I'm doing. and I feel like I'm floundering or kind of how is that at that early age to be somebody's boss in high school? Yeah, I mean, to say that I wasn't thinking about girls or sports or anything like that was not fair because I, I, I played lacrosse in high school and I had some girlfriends as well, too. But, um, you know, I, I would say one of the one of the times like the imposter imposter syndrome kicked in was whenever as like a 16, 17 year old, I had to go like knock on somebody's door to like ask them to pay because they're like a month behind. That was like the, the one time that I was like, man, I'm like a little bit out of my league or like nervous about that. I don't know what it was, but you know, when it came to like hiring people, it was a pretty natural, like easy thing, just because a lot of my buddies who wanted to come work for me, it was a dream job for them because they could work outside, have music on, you know, eat fast food, drink all the Mountain Dew they wanted to while we were, you know, spreading mulch and listening to music. So, I mean, it was a great time for everybody. And, you know, of course the IRS is going to listen in, but some of it was like cash gigs as well too. So, you know, it was, I, I think all around, there was very little like, you know, serious management. And I didn't have to do a ton of like leadership style. Um, and, and quite frankly, spreading mulch is not that difficult. So, you know, it, so all, all that to say, I never really felt like I had that like imposter syndrome in, in tons of different ways, but so. So you do that. And, and so now, now we'll jump a little bit forward. So you do that through high school and you mentioned now you went to college, you kind of continued to do it, but it was a little bit more remote, made it a little bit more difficult to, to manage, yeah, but you were still doing it and it was still a good source of income. So tell us a little bit more, you know, you, so you go to a bar, you meet a random person and within a few days you sold your company. Was it a, that, that simple or what was that uh, experience like? Yeah, so it was a um, it was kind of that step by step, but so I knew the company that ended up buying us. They did like a lot of major accounts, like the Michigan State Highways. They did like some major like schools, and this was a big, big company. And so they knew of my business, and we never really competed all that much. And so kind of the the reason for the business case for them was that majority of big money in landscaping and lawn care is actually in the landscaping and hardscaping. Um, as a younger company, uh, mowing was the money to be made for us because it was steady. You know, I knew the accounts we were going to mow each week and, you know, going and making, you know, a dollar or $2 a minute mowing lawns was pretty good money. Right. But in, in the bigger companies, landscaping is the way to do it. And so this business had sort of known us for some time is that we weren't really tapping into any of the major equipment landscaping jobs. Mm. And so, that's what this all came to be was the guy reached out, you know, we were always smack talking with each other and we were kind of competing, but it was like a good relationship. We would, you know, stop at like a local pizza joint and see each other and cruise. And it was, it was a good time, but you know, where they reached, you know, with it, this guy sat down and said, Hey, you know, I know you're managing this business from a distance. Also, I know you haven't really tapped in a ton to the landscaping side of your company. We'd love to potentially buy your mowing accounts with the intention of making money off of all the landscaping. Would you be interested in that? And so, yes, it was kind of a quick thing. And, you know, I said, yeah, let me buy your beer and let's talk about that. And that's where kind of a couple, he ended up making an offer that night and I called a couple friends and it made sense. And so it was kind of one of those things that um, just 
kind of fell from the sky and it was a pretty fun opportunity. So did, just one more, just because I think it's kind of a fun story. So did he approach you and just say, hey, I'm, first of all, you know, how, do, how are, is a bigger company that I'm approaching you? How were they even aware of you as a high schooler slash now college student that you were actually running the business? You just had a big enough reputation, had enough accounts, or how did they kind of run into you or become aware of you? Or do you know? Yeah. Um, so the neighborhoods that I had a lot of, like one of the most fun jobs I had was it was like seven houses on a lake that were all like acre sized properties. And so literally it was just mowing straight lines along this lake. That was like, these were pretty premier, very nice homes. And so it was known in the community as like, these were desirable homes to do work for. And I just happened to get pretty lucky with a couple of them that then referred their neighbors and stuff like that. So when I sold it, I got up, I think we had about 70 active accounts. And so these were all, you know, good size homes. And so you just begin to, and we, I mean, I'd done it for six or seven years, or I think it was six years when I officially sold it. So you get to just know other companies like that. And you bump into like, when you're at nurseries and picking up mulch or you're picking up, you know, trees or shrubs to put in, you, you just bump into other companies. And for the most part, it's a pretty respected industry, like companies respect each other. And it's what there's enough work to go around for everybody to have a good company. And especially for us being tiny, tiny, tiny. And so, um, yeah, and I guess a couple of the commercial accounts I would, I run into them. So like, like you mentioned, I had Mm. about 10 Wendy's that we ran. And so those were obviously a desired book of business that, you know, that's a pretty nice cash company. So yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, that answers it great. So, so now we continue to fast forward. So you decide, okay, I'm in college. I'm going to sell while the getting's good and I'll make a little bit or make some money out of selling the business. And then what did you, you know, finish college, I assume, but then what did you do next or how did you move on from there? And kind of what, how did you figure out what you're going to do after college now that the business or you sold off the, the previous business? So I was um, a sophomore going into my junior year at, in college when I sold it. Um, and so I sort of, um, professionally scatterbrained and always thinking about a bunch of different ideas, um, was beginning to think about the company now Wedge that I own, um, this kind of in the early stages of an idea. And so I, I sold the company like July 1st in 2015. And then basically the rest of the summer was like transitioning out. And then when I got back to campus, I basically just started working on this next company that I wanted to start. It was like idea stage. And I started talking to a bunch of different people. And obviously we can dive into what led up to all that. But um, the, the next transition was basically another semester in school and then also starting what is now today Wedge. So you, you started to hit on, so you, you started to talk to people, you kind of transitioned out, but how did you decide, okay, you know, kind of two different businesses, I'm going from what would be a lawn care business and landscaping, hardscaping in those kind of environment to now it's, hey, we're going to help people that are on the employment. Was it, hey, I'm coming out of college and getting a job is hard or, you know, it's, it's a pain, you know, it's a painful industry and a painful process. I, you know, I have, you know, light bulb goes on and that's what I'm going to do next. Or, you know, kind of, you know, how did you land on that idea or that would be the next thing that you were going to do? Yeah. So it was a culmination of a couple of things. So the week after I sold the lawn care company, my dad and I actually had a week long trip to Jackson Hole. And my dad was, he was an oral surgeon, but also owned his property was like okay yes I didn't do background check assessments what I definitely I would you know bring 
have a conversation, if I felt like they could do a half day on the job, just as like a basically, you know, uh, early stage step into the business, then I would hire them. And so what I learned quickly was like, I didn't really care if you knew how to mow a lawn, didn't really care if you knew how to weed whack. I could teach you those things, but what I can't teach you some of the soft skills. So I started, my dad and I had a lot of time in the car. We, I mean, it was a 20 hour drive out to Jackson Hole. And so we were just talking about this. And he kept saying like, even when, you know, hiring for his practice, the number of times he'd look at a resume. And by the time he brought that person in for an interview, he would know in the first minute or two minutes, whether they were at least worth continuing going through the hiring process. We just talked about that. And then Hmm. when I got back from that trip, I basically called all of the people who I uh, previously had mowed lawns for a lot of more business owners or executives. And I said, tell me about your hiring process. And every single person basically came back and said, A, resumes suck and they're not very (laughs) indicative of who the candidate is. And secondly, we just can't find people. And then, you know, this, this was obviously over the course of multiple weeks, but then I get back to Hope's campus and all I'm surrounded by is my friends who are sophomores, juniors, and seniors applying for jobs and constantly saying the same exact thing. I don't have the experience to go get a, you know, big boy or big girl job. I'm applying for all these different jobs and I don't really know how to get my resume to stand out. And so to me, it was kind of like, okay, there's got to be something here. There's got to be some way for, for companies to get a better understanding of who people are and for candidates to get a better opportunity to share a little bit more about who they are. And so it was basically just kind of the perfect storm of those two things. I was sitting on both sides in small ways, but sitting on both sides of the coin. And so that's where ultimately uh, the name Wedge came from was we wanted to be a wedge in the hiring process. And so you know, the, the business evolved and obviously we'll, I'm sure we'll dive into that, but it, it is a software company that we provide video interviewing for companies and for candidates, it's an opportunity for them to stand out above and beyond just traditional resumes and cover letters. And so um, hopefully that's a little bit better insight into the start of where this whole thing came from. So no, and that certainly is. So now, so you have that, you, you, you know, first of all, you come up with the idea. Now you're going to say, okay, now how do we implement it? You start to implement it and get a, an idea on that side now, you know, was it a, out of the shoot of success kind of, you know, hey, I started my own lawn or lawn care business. I'm starting to make money from day one is perfect. It's awesome. Now I'm going to do the same thing with, you know, the current business or was it more difficult or was it different or kind of how was that process building a business in a different area for a second time now that you're coming out of college? You know, so um, I went to a school called Hope College that they've got a pretty awesome um, entrepreneurial institute in the college. And so my, you know, remaining part of my junior year, and then I graduated a semester early. So my uh, basically three semesters, I was working on Wedge while I was in school. And it was amazing how supportive just that overall community was, the greater West Michigan community, and basically anybody who I talked to was just incredibly encouraged about somebody wanting to come out the gate and start a business right out of college. And so um, on that side of things, I felt incredibly supported. And I you know, had a network of people who were continually making introductions. And we got super fortunate with... Um, a couple early like pilot companies that would, you know, be willing to test the product as we built it out. And, you know, obviously anytime you launch a new business, there's going to be tons of issues and headaches and problems. And five years later, there still are, but we, we were just super fortunate to have some people surrounded around us that said, you know, Hey, we're going to help you. However, it, you know, takes so that's introductions. If that's us using it, if that's us, you know, whatever it may be. So we, I was just really, really well supported and um, you know, can't really look back and say that I did it all my own because it definitely did not. So. 
So now, so that and that's certainly insightful. Now we now we fast forward to kind of you, you went through the the growth pains and, and remind me now how long ago was it since you started and how long have you guys been in business? It was um, five years ago. I mean, actually, November was when we officially filed the LLC of 2015. So it's been literally almost five years. So now, so five years, they've come and gone. Now, has it been mostly, you know, you kind of alluded on it. It's been mostly uphill. Has it been mostly downhill? Has it been, you know, flat? And, you know, kind of how is that? Because there's a lot of, you know, granted, I think you guys are, are solving a, a problem that exists within the, le- or not, I was going to say legal industry. <laughs> the job industry out of habit right out of habit it's <laughs> so just one that's in great did be but you know within the job industry but there are a lot of other competitors out there there used to be and i'm i assume there's saw there you know monster jobs and you have zip recruiter and you have linkedin that's even into it and all those different ones and so was it difficult to find a niche to, or was it hey we are doing something different enough that people are wanting to use our services or hey we're going to do a b2b play and we're actually going to get them or kind of how was it over those five years to kind of navigate or find out where you guys you know where to take the business um yeah i'll ask i'll answer your first your your very first thought around has it been mainly uphill or mainly downhill so knowing what i know today the first three and a half years were a complete and utter drag obviously i thought they were moving quickly i thought things were exciting we were changing the world but then now knowing what i know it was like man how did we even get through those um so you know super slow for one it was obviously running a software company and a lawn care company running a business, there's definitely overlap, but two very different types of companies. And so for one, it was just learning how to do that. Secondly, um, we were selling into HR departments, which are not typically risk seeking and also not typically uh, early on in the adoption curve for new things. And so that was just a very slow process. Like we're talking about, you know, a hundred to $150 a month cost, to a small business would take them, you know, six months to a year to make a decision on that. And it was one of those like, just drag along, drag along, drag along. Um, And and so kind of transition into your second point about there's obviously other players in the space and that's where we have really hyper-focused our niche. So we are what's considered an asynchronous video interview tool. So right now we're doing a synchronous video podcast, but a synchronous video meetup, right? It's you and I together chatting back and forth with each other. Whereas our platform is, you know, hey, Devin, set up three to five questions you want candidates to respond to on their own time, desktop, laptop, tablet, you know, whatever time of day from wherever. And then the responses to those videos come back to you as the hiring manager, recruiter, business owner, and you get to review them on your own time. So we are hyper-focused as an asynchronous video interview tool that helps mid-market, small to mid-market companies, uh, a part of the hiring process. And so, you know, we're, we're, you know, there are products like ZipRecruiter, LinkedIn, these are allocation of people and companies looking to hire. And we are a, we are a a tool or a feature, a part of that process that helps make that whole process more efficient. And so we've really, and it's, again, it's taken freaking five years for us to get here, but we have really focused on that niche. And so ultimately like our pitch is like, Oftentimes we end up replacing the early stage of a phone screen and we can justify the math of why in the first, you know, week you're going to, you're going to generate the ROI that you need on our software. That's where we've really, really focused. If that, if that's making sense. Makes perfect sense. So you do that. Now you, you niche down and what, and I, we're going off a bit of a tangent from your, um, your full journey, but I find it interesting just cause you know, you niche down, you know, cause what, one of the 
fears and what I see with a lot of businesses is you, you have the fear of niching down too much, right? You're going to say, we're leaving money on the table. You know, we're not, we're missing out on potential customers or clients and that. And so we got to be kind of everything to everybody. And so was, did you guys start out that way? Did you always have your niche or did you say, Hey, a niche is better. Or are you guys now saying, Hey, we've niched down. Now we're going to expand back out or kind of give me an idea because I think that's where a lot of, you know, startups and small businesses worry about a niche, not because they don't like the niche, but because they're worried they're not going to have enough money or sales or they're not, they're going to miss out on customers. Yeah, it's a great question. So what did I say? We're five years in, we are 4.8 years of the trying to be everything to everybody really within the last like quarter, maybe half a year, we have finally understood our niche in the market that we serve. And we're making 10 times more money than we were before we chose to do that, which you don't really think about it that way. And I had to go through that the hard way. I, as I've alluded to, incredibly scatterbrained idea, let's go do that. Idea, let's go do that. Oh, we could service this customer in this way, which is different than this customer in that way. Mm. And you end up being like a generalist and you're not good at doing anything for anybody. Whereas now we're hyper-focused at doing a very good job for our niche customer base. Fortunately, we also got really lucky with COVID because everything shifted remote, everything shifted towards video and our product naturally was a benefit, you know, benefactor to that style of transition. And so that's been super helpful, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's a grind trying to focus. And it's as typically as a founder, you're not that focused. You're often thinking about different ideas and different things that you can start. And so to me, it's really taken like honing in on our team, bringing some people in who can support us to maintain that level of focus, which has been super helpful. So no, and you're you're preaching the choir. So I, I I'm answering a question that I certainly have a biased opinion. In the, <laughs> in a little bit, the same thing. When I started Miller IP, I came out of some major law firms. You know, I did patents and trademarks for all the big companies of an Amazon and an Intel and a Red Hat and a lot of those other companies. And you know, I came in and I'm I'm saying you know, there's a lot of intellectual property law firms out, there and they do a good job. There's you know, it's hard to just say we do it better than everybody else or we're more skilled than everybody else because there's a lot of good people in most industries that to really just say we do it the best is a hard statement to make and hard to get people to agree to. But if you find that niche and say, hey, we are, you know, as myself as an example in my firm, we focus on startups and small businesses. And that was a niche, you know, crazy as it sounds, you're thinking patents and trademarks, you know, a lot of businesses are startups, small businesses, but you, you look at the legal industry and most law firms want to go for the big whales. They want to go for the big companies. And so I completely agree with it. When we niche down, really focused on that and said, what can we do now? We can still offer multiple services or multiple products within that, but our niche is we're focusing on pat or startups and small businesses. Sure, if we have other companies that want to come in, use our services, and they and it doesn't defocus us, we may take them on, but we're not going to start to change from what we're doing. And so preaching to the choir, I think is a great, you know, great niche that you guys have found and certainly within COVID makes sense. So now as you're looking to the future. What's the next, you know, next year or six months to a year? And you kind of alluded to that, but kind of where are you guys, now that you found your niche, where are you headed? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and just to touch base on that, video interviewing companies think the same, same way apparently as law firms, because the other players that we compete with are often going after the Fortune 500, the Fortune you know, 5,000 companies, which is great because you can sign a hundred to 200 to $300,000 contract. Whereas we're dealing in like, you know, 250 to $300 a month range, right? Mm -hmm. You have to sign a lot of those to make up for the one contract. Now, the nice thing about us is that there's not a lot of players playing in that small to mid market because everybody's going upstream and it's 
small businesses is the largest market in the world, right? There is plenty of businesses to go service. And I'm sure you've realized that too. It's massive. And so uh, go ahead. One, one thing I think is interesting, it, it also gives you a bit of diversity in the sense that, you know, you look at the, the market now, let's say one of the big businesses, they slow down, they can't make the money. You can say our biggest contract goes away. Now we have to lay off half of it. Whereas, hey, if you work with a whole bunch of, yes, it is harder to find or it takes more, a little bit more work to get them all on board. But once you do, you've got a much more diverse clientele that, hey, if one slows down, it, none of them make up enough of our business that anyone is going to make or make it that if they don't, if they go away, we have to cl close up shop type of a thing. So I think it gives you a bit more of a diversity and it probably sets you up that you can weather a lot more storms. Yeah. It's one of those, like the, especially in HR, it's, it's a tough nut to crack because you're dealing with a ton of, but the nice thing is once you're in HR in, in our circumstance, once you're in HR, you're, the churn is super low. People love you. They stick around, they're loyal. And so it takes a little bit of time, but once you're, you, once you break into that, that, you know, demographic of people, incredibly supportive, not a lot of HR companies at this firm and that firm are competing with each other. So they make intros. And so it's one of those things that, you know, it's a slow growth path, but once you break it, you can kind of build that big, you know, flywheel cycle. And so on that note, to, to your question about what's next, um, you know, we, we are in a spot where we are not the entire hiring suite. We are a feature or a product that helps supplement that whole process. And so for us, it's partnering with other organizations that do tackle that small to mid-market um, company range. And so we've got some great partners that offer what's called an applicant tracking system or a solution to their customers. And we would integrate our tool with them so that their customers get video interviewing and we obviously get exposure to more customers or we're partnering with background check companies or assessment providers where we're all a part of that pre-screen of the hiring space and we can benefit from partnering with each other and pass clients back and forth. And so, you know, our big initiative um, as far as just growth is continues, continuing down the path of partnerships, which is phenomenal. Um, you know, and as far as like the product growth, we are in a spot where uh, we, we believe that we're the easiest to use product in the market and our customers and candidates are also validating that. And so continuing to know who we are and to say, hey, we could go down the path of being, we could build that, we could build this, we could build that. But at the same time, the people who use our product and pay for our product love how simple and easy it is. And so continuously just improving that cycle for candidates and companies um, is, is our major focus for the next 12 months. And so obviously it's growing the business and continuously growing, but uh, that's, you know, those three things between partnerships, keeping the product easy and simple and, and seamless, and then just growth is, is our focus. All right. No, I think that's a great trajectory and a great place to take it. So, well, as we start to wrap up the, the podcast, I always have two questions that I ask at the end of the podcast. We'll, we'll jump to those now. So the first question I'll ask is, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? Um, it's, it's one of the worst and also best decisions because of the lessons that I learned, but hiring friends is really hard. Mm. And I, I brought on a partner early stage who was a friend in school. Um, I have hired friends as salespeople um, and I've gone through that experience. And when things are going well, you know, you, you, you work out together, you take meetings together, you know, you hang out and grab beers together, you, you know, life is good. When things are going bad, it's one of the most ugly personally things that can happen. And even if it's a good, you know, transition out, it's still hard. Right. And so I had to go through the process of just, you know, I've done that multiple times and you would think I'd learned my lesson. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that I, I'm, 
an incredibly trusting person and I, I, and not to say anything, people did anything distrusting to me, but it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, that's a great idea. You're talented and I know you. So why don't you come join the company? And, and that's one of those things that, you know, every entrepreneur and every CEO and every business owner goes through is you, you, no matter how much you're focused on the business, you still are a person who cares. And sometimes that can be a little muddy water when it's a friend or a relationship that's then stepping into business. And so, you know, I would say not one moment in particular, but I've, I've just, you know, personally had some issues and some struggles with that and obviously learning and, you know, being forgiven and also asking forgiveness when I make mistakes as well too. But that's definitely been a challenge for sure. No, and I, and I'm, I agree with you in the sense that now I think that's one of the things every, no matter how good you think, Oh, I know people or I'm the exception or, you know, I can, I can tell people, you know, I can hire the perfect candidate every time within the, the 30 seconds. You know, I think hiring family and friends, it comes with a, a bittersweet, you know, them, you know who they are, you know, their skills. And yet it's a lot harder to lay off or to have the, the business discussion of, Hey, we're, this isn't working out or we need to, you need to adjust things and always makes it hard. So it kind of has both of those dynamics, but I think it's one where, you know, it, it, it adds another layer when you're having to do with somebody that you're friends with outside of work, because now you're having to say, how do we have those non-friend conversations that are folks on the business? So I, I, I certainly can see where that's a mistake and also something to learn from. Yeah. Second question that I always ask is now you're talking to somebody that's just getting into startups, just getting into small businesses. What would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Meet with two new people, three new people, four new people a week, as many people as you possibly can. Um, people I have found that uh, people absolutely love to support business owners. And um, it's still one of the reasons why I think America is such an amazing and great country is because entrepreneurship is such a foundation for what was this was this whole country was built on. And so to me, um, I, I have seen so many times somebody who just wanted to support me as a young entrepreneur trying to build something. And I would encourage anybody who wants to start a business or even not even just take their career to the next level, meet new people constantly. And that's why I try to say yes to nearly everything I can. If somebody wants to chat with me, great. If somebody, you know, and, and, and that's what I did when I was in college and in that transition time of getting wedge off the ground, it was how many professors can I sit down with? How many alumni can I sit down with? How many friends or people that I don't know can I sit down with and just learn? And I mean, selfishly, you never know who they know, right? And so you can, you know, certainly there's some financial benefits to that, but that's not the point of it. The point of it is to say, you can continuously grow a network, you can hone your skills of communication, you can learn from different perspectives. And so I think it's a simple one. It's not easy, but I would say it's a simple one of just meet as many people as you can. You, you, you would be shocked. And then the last piece of that is follow, follow up, right? And, and, and you meet somebody and six months later, just send them a text, say, hey, I read this book and I was thinking about you, or I was on this podcast and I was thinking about you or listen to this or whatever it means. Mm. That's what, that's what I think takes networking to the next level. It's not, Hey, you know, Devin, we sat down, we chatted for this one time, but let's talk in six months. You know, e even if there's no like business transaction happening, just building that, that's what I think that's what a network is. No, and I agree. And I think that, and that's even, if I were to jump even, even to get clients and customers is maintaining that costing or constant contact and the network, whether it's, Hey, it's just people that you may, ran into. You never know who's going to be the connection that, you know, that will help you out in that next, you know, that next phase or become a client, become in contact or anything else. And so, it's not just meeting the person the first time, but I like how you said, you know, it's a follow-up. It's the actual maintaining that connection as opposed to, Hey, I met you once. If you can't help me out, then we're done and I'll move on to the next one. Cause that's not really building a network. So 
was people now want to reach out to you. They want to get know, get to know you more. They want to be your friend. They want to be your employee. They want to be your investor. They want to uh, use your service. They want to be your customer, client, any or all of the above. What's the best way to connect up with you? Yeah, so pretty active on LinkedIn. So just Matt Baxter on LinkedIn. Feel free to uh, add me and I'll try to connect with as many people as I can. And then um, if you want to just reach out to me directly, my email is just matt at wedgehr.com. Um, Matt at wedgehr.com. So, and that's where the company name is wedgehr. So, all right. Well, perfect. Well, I certainly encourage everybody to reach out to you on LinkedIn or on your website. Um, a great, I think it's a great service and what you guys are trying to do. And it's been a fun, fun to talk a little bit about your journey. Now, Thanks a ton for having me. Awesome. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you, uh, if you have your own journey to tell, always feel free to reach out to us and uh, apply to be on the podcast. Just go to inventivejourneyguest.com. Love to have you on and hear a journey. If you're a listener, make sure to click subscribe so you hear all the new episodes as they come out. And lastly, if you ever need any help with patents and trademarks, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law. We're always here to help. Thanks again, Matt. It's been fun to hear your journey and wish you the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you so much.